1948, the Republic of Ireland Act was signed into law, finally severing the remaining statutory role of the British monarchy in relation to the state. That same year, a group of Irish composers founded the Music Association of Ireland. Out of frustration at the status of classical music in Ireland, following the country's independence and the Second World War. They thought of themselves as a lobby group, that they could improve the government's attitude to classical music, that they could improve the standards of music teaching, of uh, the scope for concerts around the country in particular. They were very interested in trying to spread music outside of Dublin and, let us say, Cork, the two main centres at that time. And they were very successful in this. And a lot of that was due to my mother. That's Gillian Smith. And her mother was Olive Smith, a fiercely intelligent musical woman with a wide range of interests. Science, gardening, the girl guides, education, the West of Ireland. Dublin-born to a Presbyterian background, she went to Trinity College at the age of 18, taking not one but two degrees and had the potential to become a professional musician. Instead, what became apparent was her organisational abilities. Because she just seemed to have an innate knowledge of how to go about concert promotion, how to attract good musicians, It was all on a small scale. She would bring a string quartet from England. She was associated in particular with a group called the London String Quartet, who gave her great advice as to how music was run in the countryside in England and establishing music clubs who would take concerts. It took until 1968 and funding Olive Smith sourced from the Gulbenkian Foundation before this level of professionalism was attained. And the focus was on secondary schools. Um, The students had a 35-minute concert in their music period. They got to see instruments played live. A lot of the people who took part were young musicians at the starts of their careers. So there was a terrific kind of uh, possibility of of bonding and uh, with uh, say sixth years and they were seeing people maybe only four or five years older than um, already nearly established as professional musicians. And then there were also many of the established musicians who took part, people from the symphony orchestra, people who taught in the academy or the college. A very high standard of performance, which I think was important. And I've spoken to many people who used to be sent on these MAI tours in pre-Google Maps time and before mobile phones. And they'd get absolutely spot on details of how to get to the school, written feedback to the concerts. Really, it was a highly developed model for outreach education. In the bicentenary of Johann Sebastian Bach's death, Olive Smith organised several major concerts of his works in Dublin, sourcing a harpsichord for John Beckett to play, which had its own difficulties. And in fact, it wasn't possible to tune it at modern pitch and he played all the concerts by transposing by a semitone, which was quite a feat. Extraordinary. (laughs) She campaigned for a national concert hall because the venues available at the time weren't up to scratch. And though she was originally against the refurbishment of the Aula Maxima at Earlsford Terrace, in time... She came to recognise what a good hall and what an asset it is for, for the country. 
1958, the British National Youth Orchestra came to Ireland. They held a residential course in Cork, which led to the setting up of a youth orchestra there. Olive Smith's involvement in this event, her love of music, the connections she made and her proven ability to organise almost inevitably led to her founding the National Youth Orchestra of Ireland with Hugh Maguire. That's right. Uh, She regarded him as a very inspirational musician. He left Ireland quite young and went to study in London and then immediately joined the profession there. But over his career, he led most of the London orchestras, so he had a vast knowledge of orchestral repertoire and what it took to make an orchestra work together. And uh, he also had a very soft spot for anything to do with Irish musicians. And he just was ideal because he was himself rather charismatic. And he made such an impression on the young players at that time. Many people decided out of joining the youth orchestra that they would go ahead and become professional musicians. Can you remember conversations between your mum and Hugh Maguire about the youth orchestra? What was was your impression of it at the time? They had their roles were really very clearly defined. Hugh would really rarely dispute, I think, with my mother as to how the orchestra was to be run in the practical way. And my mother would consult, obviously, with him on musical matters, but would always give him, obviously, precedence in anything to do with the music and choice of repertoire. And uh, I think once or twice she wondered whether he had really picked something too demanding, too adventurous. And that really proved to be the case. He, he had a very good judgment as to how a group of inspired young people could possibly pay better than they even expected themselves. And was she was she always a very positive person or did she get frustrated by having to always look for funding for everything she was involved in and struggle to 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 try and get a foothold for music in Ireland? Well, I think by the time she was running the youth orchestra, um, she has probably become rather pragmatic and knew that you just found funding wherever you could. I would say her most frustrated period was trying to get uh, a national concert hall for for Ireland because she was constantly uh, thwarted by official bodies and politicians and uh, promises of funding that didn't materialise and so forth. I think she was very happy with the youth orchestra. She, She really had created something that was going to last and as we have seen it has lasted and so many things have grown out of it. And what was her view of young people? Oh, I think she was uh, very inspired and um, I think her spirits were lifted by contact with young people and uh, I think she was very happy in in the youth orchestra I think they of course called her Granny Smith that's right I remember it well um, that was inevitable I suppose well she she had a particular kind of hairstyle a look about her that was kind of ageless as well I think for young people who always see anybody who's slightly older 
uh, they would have really looked on her as more than a, more than a mother figure. She was a, a kind of a genial aunt or grandmother figure who was very not stern, but you knew not to cross the line with her. Yes, so, but quite so a wicked sense of humour as well. Oh yes, she had, and uh, but I have been told that people were more afraid of her than they were of Hugh Maguire. If the, uh, there was a misdemeanour of some kind, the, they would be quaking at having to be spoken to by Granny Smith, I think. Quaking, but no less fond of her. Granny Smith, Olive Smith, the founder of the National Youth Orchestra of Ireland. In the early 1980s, she retired to devote herself to gardening. The house she built in Connemara with her husband, who unfortunately predeceased her, and of course, to music as a concert goer. She received an honorary doctorate from Trinity in recognition of her contribution to the development of music in Ireland. And her legacy? It's, I think it's chiefly to be seen in all that has come from the youth orchestra. The IAYO now has a membership of, of over a hundred uh, youth orchestras throughout the country, which is just an amazing thing. Amazing indeed. Youth orchestras and music making throughout this country of ours, thanks to the vision of Olive Smith.